Have you ever made yourself feel a little awkward when somebody says to you, oh, tell me about yourself, and you immediately don't know what to say? Has that ever happened to you? Maybe just me, maybe not you. Uh, oh, Zach, uh, tell me about yourself. Uh, well, I'm six foot one. I like walks on the beach. Well, I mean, what do you say to that, right? Like, how do you respond to that? Uh, maybe you haven't had that awkward moment where you didn't know how to respond to the question about your identity, but it's an important question for us to think about, isn't it? If somebody were to say to you and they gave you ample time to think about it, tell me who you are. Wow, how would you try to answer that question? How would you define yourself? Would you define yourself in physical appearance? Well, I am six foot one. I have fabulous hair. <laughs> like, how do you do this? Or do you talk about family? Well, I'm married. I've got three kids. I've got some family in Texas and around the world. Do you define it by that way or... Or do you kind of go more like spiritual and I love God and I've been a Christian since, uh, you know, 1997? Like that's an important question. And I want for us, whether you're online with us or whether we're here, to kind of grapple with that a little bit. The reason that this is a healthy uh, exercise for us to do from time to time is because we act from who we believe that we are. Uh, if you believe something about yourself, oftentimes your actions will follow suit. So then it is incredibly appropriate, helpful, and important for us to stop every now and then and say, okay, not as individuals, but as a whole, as a people, as the fellowship who are we? That's why we are preaching through this series called Who Are We? <laughs> I know that's a very original name. I came up with it myself, but it does categorize exactly what it is that we want to do. Here's why. For those of you who have been a part of the fellowship for years and years and years and years, we need to stop and we need to remember who we are and what we're passionate about, and what we've committed ourselves to, our hearts, and our minds, and our finances, and our energy, and our actions. Where are we going? Who is it that we aspire to be? And who is it that we are passionately moving forward to become? And for those of you who are newer here, this is a fundamentally important question, because the way that we answer this question, who are we, really illuminates for you, doesn't it? whether or not you want to be a part of the fellowship. What are we passionate about? What are we serious about? What are we committed to? What are our values? What do we think about? What do we talk about? What do we labor for? Those are the things that we want to answer over the next several weeks as we answer the question, who are we? Last week we talked about we desire to become and to continue to be a group of people who are focused on biblical instruction, meaning we don't just talk about the importance of the Bible. We actually live out the Bible in our daily lives. Today, as you've seen on the screen, or perhaps you have in your hand the note sheet this morning, if you want to make notes as we continue to study our Bible this morning, you see that we're talking about biblical community and the fact that we as a people have already established that God has called us to dwell together in 
biblical community. If you have your note sheet this morning, you see that we're going to do two things. The first thing that we're going to do this morning is to briefly seek to articulate what it is that we mean when we say biblical community. Uh, we want to answer that in three ways this morning and, and in three points. And when you take all three of those points together and you put them together, you're going to have this complete sentence that gives us an understanding and an idea of what it means to say that we value biblical community. The second thing that we're going to do this morning, and you have it there in front of your, uh, in your notes, you see that we're going to find some insights into broken community. We are going to look at a passage of Scripture, my friends, that shows us the most flawed, incredibly dysfunctional, broken community that we could possibly find in the Bible. And then you know what we're going to do with it? We're going to learn from it. We're not going to allow the dysfunction of this broken community to cause us to be puffed up or to become arrogant and go, oh, ha, 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 we're not like those people. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to take a very serious look and look at what happened in this community of God's people and how community got broke and what we can learn from that. So as we continue to be committed to living in biblical community, we have not only the word of God that says, here's what it looks like, but we also have places in the Bible where it says, here's where it's done really poorly. And we want to learn from that this morning. We're going to do that in Genesis chapter 4. But before we turn to Genesis chapter 4, let's answer the question, what is biblical community? We'll do that in three ways. In the first, biblical community involves living daily life. If you're making notes this morning, if you'll just write down that incomplete sentence, just that portion of the phrase, living daily life. You know, about four weeks ago, I was with somebody and we were just talking about services and how we put services together and what goes into them and how I choose what to preach about and how the rest of our elders choose what to preach about and our system for studying the text and delivering. And they said, you know, Pastor Zach, there's one thing that I notice that you do often in your sermons. And I said, is it, is it tell funny jokes? And he said, you know, it's not. (laughs) He said, what I noticed you do often is you always use the phrase living daily life. In every sermon that you preach almost, it's like, what's the key to evangelism? Doing it in everyday life. What's the key to resisting sin? Following Jesus in everyday life. What's the key to living with hope? Keeping your eyes focused on Jesus in everyday life. And I just said, thank you so much for noticing that. (laughs) Because I seek to preach about real everyday life every single week that God gives me the chance to be here on this platform. And here's why. If you want to know, there are some strategic reasons why we always think about what does this look like lived out in our everyday life. Here's some of the reasons why. In your everyday life, in this moment, in the here and now, that's the only place that you can experience the presence of God. Think about that. Think about how much time we spend thinking about the past 
like what happened an hour ago or yesterday or last week or last month or last year or all of these memories that we have locked in our brain, which are awesome, like God created our brain in order to remember things. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't remember things, but think about how much time we spend thinking about what was and then realize this, we're not there. So we can't experience God there. Or think about the things that we focus on into the future. Some of you right now are already thinking, what am I going to eat for lunch? Gotcha. You think your pastor doesn't know you? I know you. Because I'm thinking the same thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> In an hour, what are we going to be doing? Tomorrow, what do I have to think about? Next week, what's going on in my life? Next month, what am I going to do? What is my life going to look like in a month, a year from now, five years from now? And we consume our minds with thinking about these things. You can't experience the presence of God in the future because you're not there. So when we think about the Christian faith, we think in terms of living it in our everyday life because in this moment, in our daily life, that's the only place that we can experience God. That's also the only place that we can live victoriously. Because if we're thinking about what has been, we're thinking about past opportunities. The only place that we can live in the power of of the Spirit of God is in this moment right now. Now, can we... Think in terms of, well, I know in a week God is going to be faithful to me and I can live in that victory. Absolutely, because we live with faith and we know that God has a reputation of being faithful. And if he's been faithful to us in the past and he's been faithful to us now, we know that he's going to be faithful to us in the future. But we're not there yet. We're going to live victoriously in Christ in our daily life. So living daily life is important. It's important as people of God for us to remember that that is where we live in daily life. Now, the second thing as we're thinking about what is biblical community, the first component is biblical community is living daily life. The second point that I want for us to write down this morning to articulate what it is that we mean is the word together. Biblical community is not just about living in the moment, in the here and now, in our daily life. It's about living in this moment, in the here and now, living out our daily life together. And I don't know that there are too many more important themes that God puts on the people of God in the Bible than the togetherness of the people of God. Like just in the New Testament, I'll give you a couple of examples. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent his disciples out to do ministry, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel, to serve people, and he sent them out to do it together. He said, I want you to go out two by two. You two, I want you to go to that village. You two, I want you to go to that village. And he sent people out two by two. Why? Because he understands, Jesus understands fundamentally because he created us that life is meant to be lived together. He sent the disciples out together to serve him. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. And he knows that his time has come. He knows that the crucifixion is upon him. And he's praying, and one of the things that Jesus says is he says, and Father, and this is my 
paraphrasing, this is my summary, but Jesus says, Father, I pray not just for my disciples who are here with me now, but I'm praying for everybody who will be disciples after them. And I pray, and he prayed for one, he prayed for them to be unified. Jesus's prayer in John chapter 17, in which he says, I'm praying for the people who will be Christians in the future. I'm praying for them to be unified. I'm praying for them to be together. He says, Father, I pray that they would be one as you are one. Jesus understands the principle of togetherness. He sends the disciples out together. He prays for unity in the church. The author of Hebrews, in in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, the author makes a biblical command to God's people. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't stop meeting together in the name of Jesus. Is personal devotion important? Absolutely. Is personal prayer time important? Absolutely. Is personal Bible study important? Absolutely. We have to grow on our own. We have to grow for ourselves. But one of the things that Hebrews chapter 10 makes explicitly clear is that we're in sin if we stop meeting together. We must be together. Do not forsake the assembling of the saints together as some are in the habit of doing. What is biblical community? It's living daily life together. And the third phrase, under the lordship of Jesus. Under the lordship of Jesus. That means that his will His strategy, his values, his perspective, his wishes, his desires, all of those things shape the way that we are to interact with one another. What is biblical community? Living daily life together under the lordship of Jesus. Let me share with you this scripture out of Colossians before we uh, look at Genesis chapter 4. This is a scripture that talks about the importance of being under the lordship of Jesus. It says in verse 17, and Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that in everything he might be preeminent. Some of your translations will say so that in everything he might have supremacy. You see, biblical community isn't just dwelling close to one another. No, it is dwelling together, living daily life together, but it's a life that is marked by discipleship. It's a life that is marked by the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, here's what I was thinking about on these three points. If you take the first point and the second point and you rip away from this definition, that third point under the lordship of Jesus, you have misdefined biblical community. If we're just talking about living daily life together, but not necessarily under the lordship of Jesus, we could be talking about a business. I mean, living life together. Have you ever looked at your job and kind of looked at the people that you're working next to and you go, you know, I see these people every day of my life. I think I spend more time with these people than I spend with my own family. 
And so if you take under the lordship of Christ out of the equation, we could be talking about anything. We could be talking about a business, living daily life together. We could be talking about like a fitness gym. That's probably not a good illustration because I don't do that every day, right? Social club. There's all kinds of ways and places that living daily life together could be expressed. But under the lordship of Jesus is what's so critical for us to understand what it means to live in biblical community. Biblical community is a gift. It's a blessing. And it's a command. Now, hold on to your hats because we are about to study a passage that tells us not necessarily what to do, but what not to do. Because I think it's important for us to see broken community and understand what it looks like and understand how we got there. So this morning, I want to invite you to open to Genesis chapter 4. And I want to tell you this story about a guy by the name of Cain and a guy by the name of Abel. And by the end of this story, hopefully that what God will have done in our lives is to give us some insights into broken community. Again, not so that we can feel great about ourselves, so that we can live with arrogance and a puffed up chest and say, oh, we do it better than Cain and Abel. No, no, no. That is not the purpose of studying this passage. It is to understand what happens when community is broken. In Genesis chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. And now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now, let's just be clear on where we're at, what's happening in the story. Eve has given birth to two sons, Cain and Abel. Uh, one of them uh, is more of a shepherd, someone who raises animals. One of them is more of a a gardener, a farmer, someone who raises fruits and vegetables. And both have brought an offering to the Lord. And for some reason, God accepts one and doesn't accept the other. And when Cain realizes that his offering has not been accepted, it damages, it hurts him. He struggles with that. In fact, it says that, that he was angry and his face fell. Has your, has your face ever fallen? Do you know what I mean by that? When you just kind of put your head down and you just feel defeated. You feel frustrated. You feel downcast. He was angry and his face fell. But I want you to see the faithfulness of God. Because God engages Cain in that moment. He says, Cain, what are you doing? You know what it takes 
to bring an acceptable offering to me. Do that. Because you know that sin is crouching at your door, ready to pounce on you if you're not careful. You have to overcome these temptations. God is being faithful and he's speaking a word of truth into Cain's life. Verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And I think if we just stop there, we have everything that we need to gain some insights into broken community. Now, biblical community is living daily life together under the lordship of Jesus. And now let's think for a second about how, why, and what happens when that biblical community is broken. The first insight that I want to share with you this morning is that broken community can happen fast. It can happen in the blink of an eye. It can happen in one breath and one sentence spoken. It can happen in one action. I would say it can happen in one week, but friend, it can happen in one day. It can happen in one interaction. Probably you've experienced that before. If you're a follower of Christ and have been in the church for any amount of time, you've had that relationship that was deep and rich and powerful and life-giving and It was one of mutual edification and you blessed that person and that person blessed you. And perhaps even today, you still don't know what happened. You just know that in a moment, it vanished. Biblical community was broken and it can happen fast. It can happen fast and we see that also in the scripture. Now, to be fair, we don't know how much time has elapsed from verse 7 to verse 8. You see, in verses 6 and 7, God is speaking to Cain, saying, Cain, you understand these things, man. This is not news to you. We've been over this before. Do you not know that when you live the way that I've called you to live and you bring this offering, I will accept it? And if you don't, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. We don't know how much time happens from the punctuation on that sentence from God to Cain and the beginning of verse 8 when it says, And then Cain took Abel into the field. And the Bible says he rose up against him and he killed him. We don't know how quickly that happened. But look at how quickly Cain changed. Broken community can happen quickly. Can it happen over the course of a month or a year? Yes, but it doesn't have to. And that's why we must protect our community. And that's why we have to be diligent in the way that we love one another. And the way that we encourage one another. The way that we interact with one another. Because in a moment we can damage biblical community. 
Broken community can happen fast. Broken community can be devastating. If you're making notes this morning and insights into broken community. Now, if we were to take a scale this morning of zero to 10 and think about how strong of a message that God is sending through uh, the experience of Cain and Abel. If, if we were to say on a scale of one to 10, how extreme is it of a passage are we looking at that talks about the absolute devastation of what can happen on a scale of zero to 10, it would be something like 720. Do you understand what I mean? I mean, when we talk about broken community, how many of us, when we say, do you know what happens when community is broken? Do you know what happens when somebody breaks biblical community? People die. Probably nobody's thinking that. That's what happens here. It is an extreme example of what happens when, when people of God allow brokenness to enter in to, to their relationships and all of the sudden and so quickly and in the blink of an eye, something tragic can happen. But what if it's not death? This morning I want to share with you some of the devastating effects of broken biblical community in the church today. The first experience or the first point the first illustration of devastation in local congregations in 2021 among evangelicals when biblical community is broken is the, is the onslaught of what I call the consumer-driven church. The consumer-driven church is the church in which you and I go to a service and walk in and say, what's in it for me? The songs better be good or I'm not coming back. And that preacher better be funny or good or I'm not coming back. And I want to get something out of this service or I'm not going to be a part of that church anymore. That place is an organization that is designed to give me what I need on a regular basis. And if they falter in any way, shape, or form, I will just park my car at the next church the following Sunday, and I will find a church that will consistently give me what I want. Never mind what can I bring to it. Never mind what can I serve. Never mind what can I do. It's about me. Just as we go to Target or Market Basket or Walmart and we are consumers, we have our money and they better give us what we want when we want it or we will take our money somewhere else and we will consume someone else's goods and products. Listen to me. When we stop thinking of the church as a biblical community and start thinking of it as an organization that's designed to just do for me, we are swallowing the principles of the consumer-driven church. To test yourself, I don't want to test you. If you want to test yourself on this, ask yourself. When you pull into the parking lot and you walk up to the door and you come in, are you consumed with thoughts of, what is this going to do for me? Or are you consumed with thoughts of, what can I do to bless other people? Not what can I get, what can I give? 
Can I find somebody this morning that needs a word of encouragement? Can I pray with somebody today that's struggling? Can I bring the gift that God has given me and bring it to bear in the local church so that the church is better off because I've been here? Not what can I get, but what can I give? Now, let me be clear. You need to be getting something from your biblical community. You need solid Bible teaching. You need wonderful worship. You need a group of friends that love you and pray you through hard times in life. It's not wrong for you to wonder, what can I get from a church? But if that's all we ever think about, and we're not thinking the thoughts of what can I bring to the church We're thinking in terms of the consumer-driven church. This happens when we don't have a sense that I belong to this organization, to this community. This happens when we have broken community. That's one way that the church can be devastated. The second, and hear me out on this because I understand that I'm, when I first make, when I make this next statement, I'm at first going to sound like a heretic to you. And before you throw your pens and your Bibles at me, hear me out, okay? Just hear me out on this. But one of the devastating effects of broken community is the inability to do the things effectively that God has called us to do. Now, the reason that might sound heretical is because you may be saying, wait a second, pastor, it's written in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ and I don't need anybody. If God has called me to it, I can do it. That's just not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the call of God is so profoundly larger than my ability to do it on my own that I must connect with other like-minded people and we have to lock arms and lock minds and lock hearts so that we can walk together to achieve that thing that God has called us to do. That is what it means to live in biblical community. It isn't only what can I get out of it. It's what can I do to serve the Lord. Think about the Apostle Paul. If you are new to the church and you don't really know who the Apostle Paul is, he wrote over half of the New Testament. He is one of the early church planters in the movement of God that established all these different churches. And people look to him all the time to think about missions and to think about how to plant churches. And when you read his New Testament works over and over and over again, he says, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I, Paul, along with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, greet you in the Lord. Do you know what we discover about the life of the Apostle Paul? He was always with other people who had a passion to serve God. He lived in biblical community. And when we remove ourselves from biblical community, we not only run the risk of being a consumer-driven church attender, but we make ourselves ineffective at doing what God has called us to do. And the scripture demonstrates that over and over. The third devastation that happens is that we stop growing spiritually when we remove ourselves from biblical community. Here's what I mean by that. If you were to, this morning, to create two categories in your notes, and you were to write down all of the ways in my life, in Pastor Zach's life, 
all of the times in my 41 long years of living, all the times that God sent an angel of the Lord, tore open the clouds, came and sat in my living room and had a conversation with me about exactly what it is that God wants for my life or where my character needs to change or what actions I need to take into the future. If you were just to write down all of the times that that happened, And then in the second category, write down all of the times that God grew my faith or changed my character or challenged my actions, not through an angel of the Lord, but through his people, the imbalance would be profound. Because as I think back on my life and my spiritual growth, it is through the reading of God's word It is through spending personal time with God and it is through interacting with his people. Living in biblical community helps us to grow in our faith. You, you have helped me grow in my faith. Times that I've met with elders, times that I've visited with staff, Times that you and I in the commons, off to the side, talked about faith, important matters, questions about a sermon, encouragement along the way. You have helped me grow in my faith. Now, if I were to remove myself from biblical community and prevent myself from having these types of interactions with you, opening our lives together on a regular basis and and walking this Christian life together, I would be cheating myself of the opportunity to grow deeper in my faith because you have insight and faith and encouragement and hope that I need to learn from. And so when community is broken, it can be devastating. It may not be devastating like Cain killing Abel, but it's devastating nonetheless. And so as we think about the insights into broken community, we remember that it can happen fast. We need to be serious about our biblical community because it can break quickly. We need to be serious about our biblical community because it can be devastating. Perhaps the most urgent thing for us to learn this morning is where it comes from. Broken community almost always starts with the struggle with God. Do you know what is scandalous in the story of Cain and Abel? Abel had no idea that he had a broken relationship with Cain. Did you know that? There's nowhere in Genesis chapter 4 And the text that we looked at this morning, verses 1 through 11, where it says that Cain and Abel just had this all-out fist fight to figure out who was right and who was wrong. They never exchanged words with one another. Do you know where this started? Do you know where broken community started from? It started from Cain struggling with God. And the story of Cain and Abel is a story of somebody who is intentionally violating the will of God. And we know that because God says, "You look, I'm telling you, this is what it means to live life under the lordship of, of 
the umbrella of me uh, as me as your God. Listen, don't you know? Live this way, you're accepted. Don't, and you're not, right? And we know that he is aware of that. And he does it anyway, but he becomes angry when he has the consequences. Cain and Abel is a story about one person rebelling against God and then allowing the anger and the chaos of that brokenness to be projected onto someone else. Abel did nothing to Cain. Cain's beef, as it were, he was struggling with God. So I want to take a moment and step into our daily living and say a word to the young people in our church. Could it be that you're not annoyed at your parents because they're not doing a good job? You're annoyed at them because you're not walking with God. Could that be? To moms and dads, could it be that you're not frustrated with your kids and angry at them for something they did? You're living in frustration because you're distancing yourself from God and your family is paying the price. Could it be that the person that you're angry at right now outside of a family relationship hasn't really done anything wrong to you. They are experiencing the anger and chaos. It's being projected onto them because you're not walking close with God. Broken community happens not when there's a fight between two humans. Broken community happens when we rebel against God and then we bring that chaos into other relationships. And so I encourage you this morning to think deeply about not just the importance of biblical community, but the relationships that you have right now in your life. And you may be here this morning and you, you might be a little bit new to the faith and you might be thinking about uh, biblical community going, I didn't know that there was more than just simply attending church services. I mean, I love attending church here, but I didn't know like there was this whole family dynamic going on. How do I get in on that? I mean, that's a great question, isn't it? How do I get in on this important, life-giving gift from God where we live daily life together under the lordship of Jesus? How do I get in on that? I want to share with you how you can get in on that this morning. The first step, it's always the first step, and nobody has ever entered into biblical community and dwelt in the family of God without this being their first step. It is to surrender your life to Jesus. That is your first step. Whether you're here in the room or you're online or you're watching this 20 years later as a playback or whether you are uh, young or old or whether no matter what, it is always our first step. The scripture teaches that for us to step into the kingdom of God, there's only one way and that's through Jesus. And I'm inviting you this morning 
Biblical community is a beautiful gift from God. I'm inviting you to step into it this morning by stepping into faith in Jesus Christ. The second step to living in biblical community is to make a commitment to a local congregation. Make a commitment to brothers and sisters in Christ. This is going to be my spiritual family. I don't just go to church at the fellowship. I am the fellowship. You are the fellowship. We are a together group of people that have made a commitment towards one another. And if you're a guest today or if you're new to faith or you're new to the fellowship, that's the commitment that we offer to you when you place your faith in Jesus. We commit to you like a family member. We are serious about daily living life together under the lordship of Jesus. And so if you're there, if you've done that, this morning you've been reminded of the importance of biblical community and you might be thinking to yourself, how do I nurture biblical community? Like what are the actions, what are the steps that I can take? I want to share with you three. One, serve with other believers. There is nothing quite as bonding and as relationship building as getting in the trenches and serving the bride of Christ, Jesus and his church. There is nothing quite as bonding as serving with other people. We always have needs here for service. I'd be happy to meet with you and talk with you about how you might get plugged into serving. We have people who are serving in the kids' ministry right now. You came in. You probably smiled before you ever walked in the building today because our welcome team was serving together to welcome you to the building that we call the fellowship. Serving together. Another step that you can take that will really help you to build biblical community is making a commitment to some type of small group, some place where you gather with other people, some place where you get together and you pray together, you think together, you study together. And while this is certainly something that you have to do on your own, it's something that we try to facilitate. We have all types of groups. We have Bible studies and women's groups and men's groups and student groups and kids groups and young adult groups and senior adult groups. We have groups that you can be a part of. But we offer them because we want you to know that this is a place that you can connect and you can live your daily life together with others under the Lordship of Jesus. Serve together. Join and commit to a group. The third one, share your life with somebody. Isn't it true sometimes that we've got this raging storm that's going on in our hearts, like the world may be falling apart in our world, and then we paint the smile on our face and we show up at church and we pretend like everything's great. But in a family, when you've had a bad day, you walk in the house 
and you take a breath and you're willing to share it with the people around you. And I want to say to you this morning that you don't have to pretend like everything's perfect when you're here at the fellowship. We are a biblical community. We know that life isn't always easy and sometimes it's really tough. And so maybe part of you taking a step in nurturing biblical community is either meeting with staff or I would love to meet with you or maybe you sitting down with one of our elders or just maybe somebody that teaches your Bible study and just saying, can I just lay out a little bit of my life for you? Because it's not perfect and I've pretended like it is. And I just want you to know who I really am, like who I actually am, like the problems that I have on Monday mornings and the difficult relationships that I have going on. Now, I know those are critical conversations and you can't just entrust that type of language to anybody, but my point to you is this. How will you ever live in biblical community if nobody knows who you are? We love you, not the version of you that you project to people. No, we love you, problems and all. And we invite you into biblical community. And we're willing to walk with you through those problems that you face. How can I nurture biblical community? Serve with somebody. Commit to a group. Share who you are with others. Biblical community is a gift. It helps us achieve God's purpose for our life. It helps us grow in our faith. It is an important part of who we are at the fellowship. And I want to encourage you to stay committed to it. I want to ask you to stand to your feet this morning as we finish our time together. Would you bow with me this morning? As you stand, would you bow with me? I remind you of that first step, that step of stepping into the community of faith through Jesus. Maybe this morning, that's the step that you need to make. I invite you to do that this morning. In just a moment, we're going to open the altars for just a short season for people who want to come forward and pray, to come forward and pray. If you want to pray about a relationship that's happening in your life or you want to pray before the Lord and make a deeper commitment to biblical community or whatever God has on your heart, you're going to be invited to come and pray. And when that happens, if today is the day that you need to take a step from believing in the existence of God and putting your faith in Jesus, saying, I want to enter the kingdom of God. I know it exists. I want to participate in it. I want to experience the forgiveness of sins. I want to experience what it means to be under the lordship of Jesus. I want to experience what it means to be in the community of faith. If you are ready to make that step this morning, then when we open these altars for prayer time, I want to ask you to just slip out from where you are and come forward and let me pray with you. I want to ask you to make that step today if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus. You're ready to put your faith in Jesus. 
you're ready to enter the kingdom of God this morning. I want to ask you to do that. So we're going to open the altars right now. If you want to come forward and just pray for a season before we close our time together, I invite you to do that. And if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus this morning, would you step out from where you are? And would you come and let me pray with you? You may sense the Lord working in your heart right now or your mind and not really being able to come forward because you don't, uh, you don't have the ability to articulate what God is doing in your life, and that's okay. My just plea with you is that you respond to the Lord Jesus as you understand what it is that he's calling you to do. If you can't put words to that yet, that is perfectly acceptable. Just keep praying it through. Keep listening. Keep watching. Father, as we close our time together, we are so thankful for your faithfulness in our life. We do not study this interaction of Cain with Abel in a disrespectful or arrogant way, Lord, but we study it with humility and with a desire to, with your wisdom and power and strength to avoid damaging human relationships. Help us to commit and see biblical community flourish, Lord, is what we wish for. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to meet with us this morning. You have been very clear with us that you are here among us. We're grateful for that. Thank you for the love that you've put inside of the fellowship one for another. Thank you for the beautiful way that you're working in us and through us. We pray together all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.